the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Just Euler, no Motes today here on a Friday. We're sad without Motesy, but we also realized that he wasn't here last Friday, and the Steelers went out there and took care of business against the Saints, so maybe we're on to something. At Wesley Euler, that's where you get at me on Twitter if you want to get involved with the show. We've got the predictions flying in. We've got a couple questions as well, too. We will get to all of those here momentarily. This is normally the part of the show, right, where uh, you would hear Arthur Motes, Professor Motes, break it all down with your five-star matchups. We're not going to do that. We're going to do a a little different matchup conversation. In fact, I'm going to bring some friends in here once again. We're going to play the matchup on Steelers Live. We talked a lot about earlier in the week how Steelers, they had their most successful performance on the ground, right? Best rushing performance of the season last Sunday against the Saints. How do they build on that? How do they continue that? How do they remain consistent in that regard? Well, here is Missy Matthews and company uh, on Steelers Live, the matchup, talking about building on that run game and how the Steelers uh, go and, and build on from last Sunday and, and maintain that consistency and that success as well. We're not, we're not where we need to be. And, you know, obviously there's less grass, right? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's tighter windows, the timing, everything's faster. Um, you know, I got to meet the guys, you know, at certain, at certain spots, you know, with the ball, they got to get there on time. So it's, it's definitely, you know, the game changes when you get down there, right? The calls change, the, the system really changes. So there's things that, you know, we definitely need to get better at. You know, I think we've, we've definitely had improvements, but not, not where we need to be. Welcome back, everybody. Quarterback Kenny Pickett talking about cashing in when the Steelers are in the red zone. And, Dale, it's something that has plagued them these last few weeks. They've worked on a lot of stuff during the bye week. How do they fix this so that they are able to score points? Well, I mean, I think they need to continue running the football. Um, You know, power running is back in vogue in today's NFL, largely because so many teams are playing nickel. uh, And so it's like 65% of the time, uh, defenses are in nickel across the league. So you combat that by running straight at those, uh, those smaller uh, defenders who are, you know, they, they, everybody wanted to get quick, 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 uh, you know, guys that can run sideline to sideline. Well, now they got to get punched in the mouth with the, these bigger running backs. And I believe the number is uh, 5.3 yards per carry this season when teams run power uh, stuff and, and, and traps and things of that nature and, and uh, counters. Uh, keep doing that. Uh, I don't care if it, you know, if it means putting Zach Gentry out there, uh, putting uh, Derek Watt out there at times, Miles Boykin, their, their biggest package out there, and just yelling across the line of scrimmage, hey, we're going to run the ball. <laughs> Doesn't matter. If you can't, if you can't physically stop it, 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 it you know, that's, that's even better. Uh, I know Wolf, uh, that's, that's Wolf's kind of football. I love that. There's no question. You're right on <laughs> Dale. I would also add just a couple of things. As the windows grow smaller, the real estate gets less. You've got to be more precise and dotting your I's, crossing your T's. You got to watch your spacing when you get down there. Are you supposed to be so many yards inside the numbers, outside the numbers, what have you? So how many before you make your cut across the back? You're already dealing with the sideline uh, guys, right? The uh, out of bounds. But the back end now comes into play. So the fact of the matter is you've got to be very precise in your route running and the window's got to be basically where you imagine them to be. you got to go on that faith that what you see is what you're going to get and it's got to be uh, like a heartbeat of decision. And all that comes about, you think about the three opportunities they had where you had Najee Harris on that wheel route coming up 
the sidelines there that it was slightly overthrown. You had uh, the Muth, Friar Muth, and a back shoulder throw that was overthrown. DJ in the back corner of the end zone was, was overthrown. Those are, those are just near misses. It's going to tighten up. It's going to get better. It's the cost of doing business with a young guy who's got a great upside, but he's still climbing. And we see these things weekly because what? We were blessed with 18 years, almost two decades of Hall of Fame quarterback. And we're going to get good quarterback and back. It's, it, he's going to be rising and, and doing a lot of things. But it's going to take some time to be able to operate in those small windows. Matt, does Najee need 20 or more carries for this run game to be successful? And what did you think of how him and Jalen Warren worked last week against the Saints? I think they're tremendous compliments for one another. They have very different running style, very different body types. Dale mentioned it, you know, the, the, the running is really becoming more and more in vogue. I mean, a lot of the lesser talented teams in the league, I always cite the Bears, the Falcons, the Giants that we all thought were rebuilding. They're three of the four run heaviest teams in the league, and they're collectively around 500. The Giants only lost two games or one game or whatever it is, two games because they're running the ball with great, great volume. And the Steelers took that approach. The, the Bengals took that approach in their last game. And, you know, even Green Bay and Tampa Bay are doing it. You know, I mean, Brady and Rodgers are saying, just hand it off, keep handing it off. So I think the combination of the two with great volume is really hard to play against. My concern with this matchup, though, was DJ Reader's back. It sounds like he's back. Right. He is a tremendous force in the middle of the line. And their numbers with and without him in the lineup are night and day. And obviously in a positive manner for them when he's in the, in the lineup. So getting maybe two bodies on him is going to be crucial. But I do think running the football, taking things off Pickett's plate is a top, top priority. Dale, according to NFL research, since 2018, the Bengals are 1-6 versus a rookie quarterback. Is there anything tangible to that, and how can the Steelers take advantage of that? Tangible to it? Uh, you know, I, I would need to know who the rookie quarterbacks um, happen to be. I'm sure one was Lamar, uh, you know, guys of that nature. So, um, you know, I, I do think that, uh, you know, things that happened years and years ago maybe don't play into this uh, you know this current season but obviously when you're one and six in those kind of situations it shows that you know maybe your defensive staff didn't prepare quite as, as well as you could have uh, you know to, to take advantage of a young quarterback maybe you just go out there and you say we do what we do and and uh, don't try to mix anything up uh, really to try to confuse the young guy um, you know but you know you just never know in terms of, of those kind of things because I think those are all standalone situations uh, but yeah I didn't know that one that one's uh, that was a little stunning well if Kenny Pickett is 2-0 when he doesn't turn the ball over what's the key for a rookie to play mistake-free football especially when things are a little faster than what he's used to wow you know um, it's it's tough because Kenny's got to have the reads. He's got to know everybody's routes. He's got to know all the things that you got to see. I was just an offensive lineman. My whole fight was right there in front of me. You know, it's a phone booth. It's close quarter combat. It's so much easier. You, it's you and him. That's it. Basically, maybe a, a looping fat guy on an occasional twist stunt, right? But the fact is, for Kenny, it's about playing mistake free, and that's trusting your eyes. You've got to trust your eyes, re make your reads, and then go where it tells you to go. You can't force the ball to anybody. And if anything that Kenny learned off the last week against the Saints was, you know, he was very appropriate in his 
dropping the ball out of bounds. When he's running along and he sees, okay, this is not going to end well, drop it off. And the other thing was his ability to be mobile and use his legs to get him out of some hot spots. Uh, and, and, he, and he took uh, Mike Tomlin's uh, advice very well. As he told him a couple weeks ago, I heard him out of the practice field. He said, Kenny, just remember in college, they'll hit you. In the pros, they'll put you to sleep. He got down. <laughs> All right, it's time for our Yin's Chat predictive question for today. I did not make this one up. Over under 55.5 rushing yards for Najee Harris. You can answer by downloading the Steelers mobile app to play Yin's Chat and win prizes. Questions are updated daily. Matt, we'll start with you on this one, over or under. I'm going to go under. Uh, again, I think the reader factor is huge. I, I think Warren's going to get more than his share of carries. There's always a receiver carrier two or three in, in a Steeler game. Uh, pick it now. It could be a six, seven, eight type of carry guy as well. Just doesn't leave a ton for, for Najee. Um, and the thing I didn't mention, too, is my favorite matchup for the Steelers in this game, and by no means am I saying don't run the football, but I think it's Pickens and Deontay against their outside corners. So uh, it, it went in doubt. If you're getting one-on-one -on -one matchups with those guys and you're starting to run the ball well, I'm throwing at those corners heavily. All right, Dale, over or under for you? Well, somebody was listening to my uh, pregame uh, guarantees last week because I had over 55 <laughs> y rushing yards last week. I'm going to go under this week as well. Uh, the Bengals, uh, I think, are a pretty stout run defense, especially with DJ Reader in there. Um, you know, and I, and I just think that, uh, to Matt's point, I, I don't know that Najee's going to get 20 carries in this game. He should, uh, but, you know, to, you have to remember as well that he broke off a 36-yard run last week to expect that week after week after week. I don't know about that. The, uh, the Bengals did a nice job on him in week one, uh, limiting him. But I, I think he's, you know, at this point, you got to feed the beast. Give your 240-pound running back that 15 to 20 carries every single game and let him wear the defense down a little bit. But 55 yards, eh, that's right around the range of where I put him. I'm going to I'm gonna take the under on that one. Okay, Wolf, are you going against the grain or are you sticking with Dale and Matt? Oh, you know I'm going to go against the grain. <laughs> I, I got to go with Najee. <laughs> Look, you know, the young man's just getting his mojo running downhill. You've got an offensive line who has made some big, big improvements in their run blocking. Now, can they can be able to carry this forward? I believe so. One of the things that was so big was when they, they lined up in the first series against the Saints, that entire offensive line washed the entire Saints defensive line back almost five yards before Najee even got to the line of scrimmage. That says to me we've gotten that, that sort of mojo running downhill in a way that I think is going to be very productive. And Gadzooks, if you saw Najee take on Caden Ellis on a blitz and watch him bend the dude over backwards like he's doing ballistic yoga, my goodness, it was like a beautiful thing. He's got his strength, his power. I think he's ready to start really racking up some numbers coming up. All right, well, Joe Burrow is 2-7 and seven when sacked four or more times in a game. So our last over-under for you, Matt, you can go first. Over-under three-and-a-half sacks for the Steelers' defense on Sunday. It's a big number, but I'm going to go over. I mentioned the Highsmith matchup that I really like. I would expect an interior sack. I think the interior of their offensive line is just okay. I think TJ might get multiple. So we're getting to four here pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> and my last note is Burrow is very good this year about getting the ball out of his hands quickly, but he still has a pension for 
I'm going to hold it on certain plays and take a big shot or a sack in order to make a play. So sometimes quarterback or sacks are quarterback stats as well. And he's traditionally taken a lot of sacks. Great stuff there. Dale Lolly, Missy Matthews, Matt Williamson, our, uh, our pal Craig Wolfley. I mean, they're all our pals, right? You'll hear them all here on, on SNR and around the building as well, too. Great stuff there. That is one half of the matchup show that they do on Steelers Live every single week. So that kind of focused on the matchups from the Steelers' offensive standpoint, right, building on that run game, uh, what they can do to have success again on defense. What about the other side of the equation? How do the Steelers go about slowing down the Cincinnati Bengals? Talk about exciting. Who's going to land the big punch? And down he goes. Cameron Hayward got right to Burrow. Intercepted at the 30, 25, 20, Megan Fitzpatrick, batted down, intercepted. Having him back in the lineup, you know, he brings so much energy, um, you know, to our lineup. You know, the first first play of the game, you know, he's back in there for a TFL, and so, you know, his presence is definitely felt, and it was felt immediately in the Saints game. And so, I know teams, you know, are preparing for that, and so, um, it was just amazing having him back, you know, because he's, you know, he's a guy who demands attention and stuff. Hi everybody, welcome to the matchup show presented by Unibet and Missy Matthews. That was the Week Ten AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Alex Highsmith talking about the reigning defensive player of the year, T.J. Watt, his return last Sunday. He'll be ready to go once again against the Bengals, a 425 kickoff. Let's break it down for you and welcome in our panelists. We have Dale Lally of Steelers.com and Steelers Nation Radio, Craig Wolfley of the Steelers Radio Network, and also Matt Williamson of Steelers.com and SNR as well. And Dale, I don't think we can talk enough about T.J. Watt, the intangibles Coach Tomlin talked about on Tuesday, but who specifically do you think benefited the most from his return? Specifically, I mean, obviously, you know, Alex Highsmith now has five sacks in two games in which TJ's played this year. But I, to me, I think the guy that really benefits the most might be Cam Hayward. Uh, you're not going to see him get doubled nearly as much uh, on the interior. And, and, you know, when he's getting doubled, most of the time it is, you know, two 300-plus uh, pounders in there. Uh, so TJ Watt, uh, you know, draws some of that attention away from Cam Hayward. That should free him up to make more plays. It certainly did in the last game, uh, and the entire Steelers defense benefited. Uh, they allowed 29 rushing yards in that game. That was their fewest uh, since, I believe, week three of the 2020 season against the Houston Texans. So it had been a while since the Steelers had a, uh, a defensive effort like that in the running game. Well, if the sacks weren't there, maybe the stat lines everybody is used to seeing for TJ, but what he was doing on the field really helped everybody. This is so correct. Look, from the moment he came out of the tunnel to that fantastical roar from Steelers Nation to the when the kickoff happened, you got the Saints pinned back on their own nine-yard line, and he's out there, he's getting the crowd jacked up, and then what do you get? First, some guy ju jumps off sides right from the get-go. It's wonderful. It's one difference. Then he come out second and third down. I'm sorry, first and second down. They run at him again. And with the help of Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi on two separate plays, T.J. Watt makes the play. They come out. They test T.J. T.J. puts it right in their face. Then you come out, and the rest of the defense is having this opportunity to kind of like 
mushroom off of this thing. You got that mojo running, it's precious, it's wonderful. The adrenaline's flying. Guys are out there hitting. And you know that the, the, the secondary is benefiting because in, in the quarterback's mind, it's got to be in Andy Dalton's mind, there's tick, 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 here comes TJ. Tick, tick, tick. You know it. And I think it benefits the whole secondary. It was a great job, defensively speaking, for those guys with TJ coming back. Matt, we saw what the Steelers defense was able to do against the Bengals in round one. That was week one. It's a much different uh, situation for week 11, but TJ is back again. What can you draw from they did well week one that can transition to this game? Well, I want to throw one little nugget in, too, from this past game is his impact is so immense that the Saints were a perfect example. I mean, like their offensive line was just riddled with injuries. I mean, the one rock of their line is Ryan Ramchek, the right tackle. He's one of the best right tackles in the league. And, oh, by the way, he went against TJ all the time in practice at Wisconsin. <laughs> so you would think if anyone's going to leave those guys alone to help against Cam and Highsmith and all those guys, it would be the Saints because the rest of the line really needed the help. They still didn't. I mean, just tactically, it just shows immense respect for Watt. And, of course, the Bengals are going to have to do the same thing. You know, they've invested in their offensive line. Leo Collins is a new right tackle. But it's still not fixed. I'll just put it that way. I expect Highsmith to have all sorts of one-on-one matchups against Jonah Williams, who's really, really struggling this year. I think that greatly benefits the Steelers. And even if you help Watt, it's going to be really difficult. But... I will say I think that tactically the Bengals made a mistake going into week one that isn't the case now. They didn't play any of their offensive players through the preseason, and it showed early in that game. Well, they're humming a little bit better now, and obviously Burrow was also coming off an emergency appendectomy. I know they're coming off a bye, but they're playing much better now than they were to start the season. Dale, in terms of the run game for the Bengals, we know no Jamar Chase, so Joe Mixon has seen uh, more, especially their last game before their bye week. Um, how do you stop what they want to do in terms of the Steelers' defense? Well, last week or two weeks ago for the uh, for the Bengals against the Panthers, that was really the first time that Joe Mixon has gotten rolling this season. Uh, that, the 82 yards that he had against the Steelers, which came on 27 carries in Week One, uh, that that had been his season high to this point, and even that was three yards a carry. So they've struggled running the football. Uh, Mixon is catching the ball more this season. They're using him as kind of an outlet uh, to kind of cut down on Burrow's sacks a little bit. I don't think that their offensive line is necessarily fixed. Uh, they're trying to cover it up a little bit by dumping the ball to, to a Mixon, trying to get him going a little bit. I think things just kind of snowballed for them last week against the Carolina Panthers. And obviously when a guy gets five touchdowns for you, yeah. if you, if you're not playing against poke high, uh, you know, it makes a bit, you know, <laughs> five touchdowns shouldn't happen, but it did in that situation. So. I, I think the Steelers need to do more of what they did in that game. Again, three yards of carry in that game for Mixon. The problem was the, the, the Bengals ran 92 offensive plays in that game because the Steelers uh, you know, didn't do much offensively, uh, and, and the defense got some quick turnovers and things of that nature that led to, some, led to some points in that game. You can't let the Bengals run 92 plays again on you. That just, that's just a recipe for disaster. Wolf, in terms of not having Jamar Chase, is it as simple as stopping the run game to defeat the Bengals? I wouldn't say so because you got a guy named Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins sitting along there on the opposite side too. Jamar Chase is de definitively one of those downtown weapons that can strike like lightning. But don't forget T. Higgins. He's a big man. That's a big size receiver as well as Tyler Boyd. 
and then of course you know you, you got your tight ends and so so forth these guys they can do a lot of things that's a triumvirate of of good wide receivers when everybody's healthy but Joe Burrows has been throwing the ball pretty darn well over the last several weeks when you look at it and this offensive line though still has issues if you ask me they're still not and I mean think about it they gave up 13 sacks in the first two games 30 overall you know it's it, it says that they're getting better but you know it's it's not that great I would say now the fact is Joe Mixon rushed for 153 yards well he did it against you know Carolina and that's obviously hey you know what it's not the Steelers the newfound Steelers defense that is resurging now I mean you look at the fact of what they did to the Saints I think Alvin Kamara I know he's had some uh, banged up issues and so forth but he truly is a two-way threat when he gets his mojo rolling so I think they, there's a lot of good things rolling on the side for the Steelers defense but it starts up front with the four guys being able to pressure Burroughs and being able to drop seven guys into coverage because if you have to start blitzing guys go to man coverage that's where you're gonna run into trouble Matt, how do they keep the takeaways coming? That was something we saw not happen in Miami with four drops of possible interceptions. But last week, they won the turnover battle, and we saw the two interceptions and a forced fumble. Well, the Miami game's a perfect example of when they do make mistakes, you have to capitalize on it. I mean, rarely are quarterbacks going to throw you the ball as often as Tua did in that game, and you're going to come down with drops. Um, one thing I dug up this week that I hadn't really realized until now is the Steelers' of defense has only uh, recovered two fumbles this year. That's the lowest number in the league. And I'm a big believer that fumbles are very random. You know, I mean, once the ball hits the ground, who's to say who's going to fall on it nine out of ten times? I mean, I, I think that I, I'll promise you that the second half of the season, they're going to recover more than two fumbles. You know, I mean, that that's something that won't keep up, especially with T.J. Watt in there hacking the ball away and as good as he is at causing turnovers. I would also say blitz percentage is going to go down dramatically which gets you more people in coverage more chances of taking the football away in that manner because i think the pass rush improves even though the blitz percentage goes down because of what all right guys it is time now to take a look at our week 11 opening lines from across the league presented by unibet sportsbook an official sportsbook partner of the pittsburgh steelers great stuff there I, I can listen to that crew breaking down Steelers opposition and uh, a whole bunch more every single week. Great stuff from Missy, Wolf, Matt, and Dale there. Uh, the entire Steelers live crew. Motsi's on there from time to time. Um, you get our buddy Max Starks on there from time to time. It's, it's great stuff. And obviously, if you want to see the visual element of all of that, uh, Steelers.com is where you can find it. We have got tweets here to get to. Uh, predictions that I'm going to get to in the final segment. Some questions as well, too, that uh, that a few of you tweeted in. Not, you know, specific predictions, but just some questions about the game. I'll get to those right around the corner. We'll sing the Here We Go song. We'll catch up with our buddy Brian Backo. It is all on the table here in the final segment of the show. So don't you dare go anywhere. Last chance, last call, last holla to get those tweets in. At Wesley Euler. if you've got questions, if you've got predictions or anything in between, uh, that is where you can get involved with the show here in the final segment. We'll get to your tweets. We'll sing the song. We'll catch up with Backo. Give some predictions. Plenty to get to before we get out of here on a Friday. I am Wesley Euler, and this is the Steelers Blitz on SNR. 
Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time and range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com slash compatibility.